I'm Christy Code Red, and you're listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle, where we believe food holds the power to heal or poison, and we believe our society has been misled regarding proper nutrition and weight loss. You're in the right place if you're looking for some straight up truth, because I'm here to shed light on the lies and brainwashing that has taken place over the past five decades. Thanks so much for listening. Code Red Rebels, welcome back to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. I am your hostess, Christy Code Red. How's everybody doing today? Thinking about each and every one of you. Glad you're here with me. Appreciate you being here with me. I really, really do. I'm loving podcasting. I look forward to each week when it comes out. I love it. So guys, today we're really touching on a very personal subject of mine, like a very personal story and something I get asked a lot about. And I thought it would be good to go ahead and just talk to you guys about it and and let you guys know what the backstory is when it comes to me personally. Want to first give a shout out to just a couple of people who went on to my podcast and reviewed it and rated it. Thank you. Shout out to, let's see, I've got a a girl here. Well, I don't know if it's a girl. The name is Race for Fitness, and she put amazing at the top with five stars. Christy Code Red is the real deal. Need motivation? These podcasts will explain all you need to get your body on the right track on being healthy to being healthy and not fat. I like the way he or she said that. That was funny. This is T.M. Razzy, T-M-R-A-Z-E-E. She put love it at the top with five stars. I just love your no BS attitude. You get down to the truth always. It's what this country needs. Code Red is the best thing to happen to me. Episode eight really got to me. I have the exact same story as her. It's so encouraging. Thank you for everything you do for us rebels. Uh, I sure appreciate both of these reviews. Thank you both so very much. You're welcome. I love it. This is my calling. This is my passion. This is exactly what I set out to do. And then this last person, D-G-I-L-D Gill Crew. Five stars. This is so legit, people, is what it says at the top. I love it. I feel like a five-star review is the least I can do. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm one of those who's tried everything and paid every price with no lasting success. Then a friend recommended Christie's book, and I made the decision to just do it. And the weight began to come off almost instantly and very steadily. All I did was buy the book and follow the rules. I think her options for programs are amazing and well-priced, but she puts so much value into what she shares here in her book and on YouTube. You can start with that. She is the first person in the health industry that puts people and their actual health before her pocketbook. Ooh, I like that. I almost feel guilty that it only cost me $15 on Amazon. (laughs) Loving this podcast as it keeps me encouraged and determined to make choices that change my life for the better. I'm a better wife, mom, and friend because I feel good and can serve with enthusiasm and energy that's genuine. Thanks for speaking the truth and making this something that anyone can do with a budget. Wow, what a review. D. Gill crew, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you to all of you. Guys, if you rate and review, if you leave a review, I would love to shout you out. This is um, a podcast that I was thinking about because I get this question fairly frequently from people and they want to know what happened in my life, what is the reason that I am the way I am? And what they're referring to, I think 
there are many aspects and facets of Christy Code Red, but I think what they're referring to is how I'm so driven. I am very driven, very focused, very motivated, and I don't get distracted easily, and I stay on task. And there is a reason why. There's almost one single reason why I am the way I am. And I think a lot of you guys will be absolutely, completely floored and shocked to hear the reason. The defining moment in my life that I believe has set me on a path that I am on. Now, I believe that everything bad that has happened and good, but you know, the bad thing that has happened in my life, things that have happened in my life have shaped me into the person that I am. Of course, that's how it is with all of us. And all those bad things helped me. You know, I didn't waste a crisis. As James says, don't waste a crisis. James Friel is my business coach. I have two business coaches currently at the time of this recording. And James says, don't waste a good crisis. And so I believe that the things that have happened in my life, which are just horrific crisis, I didn't waste it. I learned from it. I moved on. I grew and it helped mold me into what I am today. And I wouldn't trade any of those crises for anything. I really wouldn't. I would go back and do it all over again the same way. I would like to believe that I wouldn't. I mean, everybody was like, I regret this. You know, I don't have any regrets. I had to fire a girl one time a couple of years ago, and she said, I just hope you don't regret hiring me. And she just sat there with tears in her eyes. I hope you don't regret hiring me. And I was like, you know, as an entrepreneur, you just don't, I don't think you have those kind of regrets because you just don't know what you don't know. And I just did the best with what I knew at that time. And she was the best option for that time. Little did I know it wasn't going to work out. So the regrets, I think, are, I just think the word regret is the wrong word. So I don't waste a good crisis. But there was a single moment that I truly, truly believe set me on the path that I'm on. And one, I guess let's just say one that stands out from the rest. There were a couple of them along the way that have been like, oh, wow, you know, I've shared with you the time that that girl publicly embarrassed me when I was 14 years old in front of everybody. And I said to myself, I will never again treat a child. You know, she was much older than me and I was younger. And I said, I've never treat somebody that way to where she had so much power at that moment. Everybody looked up to her and so did I. And she was horrible. That's a couple of episodes ago. You have to go catch that one. I think that's the episode that talks about people don't believe what you said, but they believe how you make them feel. So that was a defining moment. You know, there was a defining moment when I was with a guy who physically and verbally abused me for nine months before I had the courage to leave. There was a defining moment where I had $36,000 stolen from me from a con artist I didn't realize was one until the money was gone and it was horrible. That was a defining moment. There were lots of defining moments where I, you know, standing in a food bank line or, you know, being homeless or sat on the road with my car overheating. There were lots of different little things like that that had happened that I had to overcome that certainly made me stronger and certainly makes you stronger every time you have to overcome those things. But here is the one thing that happened that I believe really, really set me on the path that I am. And as far as my mind goes, when I was a kid growing up in Grangemont, which is outside of 13 miles outside of Orfino, Orfino is a small town in Northern Idaho. Well, at the time I was growing up, it was a couple thousand people. Now, I don't know, 3,000 people in the town. I'm not quite sure. I haven't really, I don't go back or anything. 
If you guys watch my documentary, you'll know. If you want to watch the documentary, The Rebel Revolution, it's on YouTube. Just Google The Rebel Revolution and you'll see it. It's a 30-minute documentary on how I grew up poor. And I finally, when I had enough money, I went back and I gave back to the community that gave to me when I was growing up. And it was a great documentary. It'll just make you kind of better understand me and where I grew up. And it, and it showcases my town of Orfino. And so when I grew up in Orfino, we did not have any money. My mom and dad always kind of cringe. Well, we were like, we weren't poor. Well, I just remember, I guess what society defines as poor. We just, I mean, I remember for Christmas one year, we got an orange. You know, remember for Christmas one year, we got rag dolls handmade by my mom. That's all we got. For my 16th birthday, I had a graham cracker with frosting on the top with a candle stuck in it. It was all I got. So there was no money. And the reason that there was no money is because my parents did not believe in living life on credit. Now that I'm adult, I understand where they're coming from. We didn't take family vacations because there was no money to take the family vacation. At one point, we did take, I guess, a sort of a family vacation, and we camped at KOA camps along the way. And later I found out as an adult that we did that. Mom and Dad spun it to us girls like, we get to go camping and the way that, but if that, that's what they did at the time. But later I found out what that's the only way that they could do it. They only had money for fuel. And so mom packed food. She packed, you know, bologna sandwiches and we stayed at campsites along the way. And that was the only way that we could do it. And we took, you know, showers in those KOA camp showers and that's how we got. But other than that, I mean, we just, mom and dad did not have, if there was no money left over, you didn't get Clothes, you didn't get basketball shoes. You got hand-me-downs. We got hand-me-downs from our cousins in Twin Falls. Like, that was it. We shopped thrift stores. We didn't get extra. I held my first job at the age of 9 or 10 years old. Well, and even sooner than that. I mean, it just was the way that things were. We bought our own cars. We bought our own horses. We bought our own pigs and our own steers for 4-H. There was no extra money. I think there was... Mom and dad did more for us than we are aware of. Like, for example, when it was came to the 4-H steer or the 4-H swine, mom and dad purchased the grain or the feed for these animals. And then, of course, in true 4-H form, when you get paid for your swine or your steer at the end of the year at fair, you have to pay back your parents for whatever they borrow. You know, so they had to front that money. And I'm sure it was, just, you know... I'm sure that my parents put out more money for things than what we are aware, but I do remember always kind of my parents had this mentality like there's just no money for that. We can't afford that. There's just no money. And they always said it and it was always kind of, we were very aware of the fact that we didn't have any money. My parents harvested elk and deer and cougar and bear in order to feed us through the winter and through all year long. So we feel like, you know, and we, we had family activities. We sang as a family. Uh, my dad plays the guitar. All three of us girls, in fact, my mom even, we all sing. My mom was Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. So she sings. All three of us girls sing. My dad sings and plays the guitar. He made it an album when he was a kid. And so we're a very musical family, and we found ways to entertain ourselves that didn't involve money. And that was just kind of the norm. That was what I thought. I feel like I had a very fruitful and a blessed and a, a wonderful childhood. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about my childhood growing up in Grangemont. We had lots of property. I got to ride my horse anytime, anywhere for any distance with no limitations. The only rule was that I had to be back by sundown. I mean, it was just 
It was an amazing childhood, swimming in the creek, you know, uh, camping in the woods with a pup tent, you know, freezing your butt off. There were no limitations on us kids when we were growing up. We had to work. We had to put up hay. We had to put up wood. We had to work hard. I mean, we just never saw it as, I mean, we were aware of the fact that we didn't have the money like the other kids did, but you know, we rode the bus to school and if you wanted to drive a car, you need to buy that car. You need to pay for your own gas. So it, that was the kind of childhood I had grown up, you know, drinking out of the water hose and shoveling manure and taking care of your family. And that was, that was our childhood. So we have family in California, in the Bay area of California growing up. And my dad raised us. Mom and dad raised us with a very strong sense of family and you just go visit family. And so instead of taking a trip to, let's say, Disneyland, well, no, you need to go visit family. That's what you do. On some occasions, the family came to visit us in Idaho, but mostly we went to visit them. And so we were always kind of, that was just instilled in us over and over as I was growing up. You know, you got to go see family. You stay in touch with family. We wrote letters, you know, our cousins, our aunts and uncles, things like that growing up. My parents both have siblings and they're all from the same area in California. So one year we wanted to go visit our family in California, Carrie, Christy, Laura, all three of us girls. I have two sisters, one older, one younger. And at the time, uh, Carrie was 16, I was 14, and Laura was 11, 12, 13, 14, 11. And we asked our parents, we would like to go to see our family in California. So Carrie had her license and I just had my license because you, at the time you can get your license when you're 14 in Idaho. I don't know what it is now. And of course, my dad working for the sheriff's department, that just made it even easier to get my license at 14 years old. And we were very, very responsible. It was a different day back then, guys. It was a different day. And you needed to be able to drive because you had to drive your farm equipment. So we came to my mom and dad and we asked them. And we had taken many trips as a family to the Bay Area. We knew the way. And we were familiar with how, you know, what it took to get there. So we asked my parents, can Carrie, Christy, and Laura, can the three of us girls take a summer trip to the Bay Area to visit our cousins and our aunts and uncles? And they said yes, by ourselves, to take a trip. Now, 16, 14, and 11, three girls in an old family station wagon. Yes. Oh, listen, guys. Because of my head injury from my boxing career, I can't remember much about my past. But I vividly remember this. Yes, I do. And if you get the three of us girls together, we're all going to kind of have different memories, but it is good to kind of patch together all of our memories. So my dad wrote out on a napkin, <laughs> you know, like, like a little map on how to get from Orfino to, I think, Winnemucca, you know, something like that, and got us to the Bay Area. And that was the way. It was going to be a two-day trip. And we were going to split the trip. We were going to stay in, oh, you guys, what was it? I'm, my sisters are listening right now. Where did they live? In Bend? What, is that what, where our friends lived? We had friends that lived in, in Oregon. And I wish I would have asked my sister before I started this podcast to be able to get you the exact location. But it was some place in Oregon that was the halfway point, And they were going to let us spend the night. 
and they were longtime friends, and we were going to make it into two trips. I think from here to Bend, and then Bend to the Bay Area, the Fairfield, Concord, San Francisco area where our family was. Two trips. So my dad wrote on a, on a napkin, kind of the way, remember, no cell phones back then, guys. There were no freaking cell phones back then. There were pay phones. The three of us girls, I don't remember if mom and dad gave us money or we just used our babysitting money. I can't imagine them not giving us money, but I do know that there just wasn't a lot of money. So we had barely enough money just for gas. I think we had packed, mom once again packed us bologna sandwiches. There was no pop. You got water. Okay. You got water. And there was no bottled water, guys. There was like a thermos of water or something. I mean, we were just three girls, 16, 14, and 11. So we get in our, <laughs> we get in our family station wagon with no adults, just us, and with our napkin with the map on it and our packed sandwiches and our, we had very limited money for gas, just enough to make it down. And I think we were going to work enough to earn money for gas money to make it home at the end of the summer. And so there we were, we took off. So we got to our friend's house in Oregon. We spent the night. We got to California. We spent the summer. This is traveling on, I think, I-5. Like, it was traveling on the 405 like or whatever the interstate names are. And we were on, a, you know, an 8, 10-lane freeway traveling at 80 miles an hour at 16, 14, and 11. Three of us piled in the front seat. I don't know if I know they have seatbelts. I know they had them somewhere in those. And we were listening to, like, eight-track tapes and cassette tapes of our favorite Christian music, okay, and singing at the top of our lungs with the windows rolled down, like, no, the window, the manual, you know, and we made it all the way there and all the way back. Like, we didn't call our parents along the way. We didn't tell them anything. We didn't even stop and tell them that we made it to our friend's house in Oregon. So, fast forward to the end of the summer. So, yeah, that's a miracle in and of itself. And we had to budget our money for gas. At one point, we got lost, and we drove a couple of hours out of the way, and we had to budget, you know, the money for the gas and how were we going to make it. And, I mean, we I'm sure we coasted into town. I mean, I'm sure we were really on a shoestring budget. So fast forward to going home. We had just enough money for gas to get home. I'm sure our aunts and uncles packed us again, bologna sandwiches <laughs> and water in a thermos. And we were heading home. So the plan was just reverse. We were going to go back to our friend's house in Oregon, spend the night. That was a day's drive. Spend the night. The second day, we would make it back to Orfino. We're halfway through our first trip. Our little sister, Laura, starts to get sick. And she's really getting sick. So we had to, to count up our money and figure out how much we had, if we had enough for medicine for her at the drugstore. So... I think we figured we had, you know, two or three dollars, under five dollars to be able to go in and get her some medicine. She was sick. She was laying in the back seat. She was really must have been pretty sick. And we gave her some medicine. And so Carrie and I were like, you know, we got to step up. We got to we're the bigger sisters, you know, and Carrie and I took turns driving because, you know, one person driving all that way, like 20 hours, it's not easy. Right. And so we took turns driving. So we get all the way to, to Oregon, to Bend or wherever it was the other, I don't remember the other, Redmond, I'm trying to think of, anyway, we got to the halfway point and where our friends were going to, where we were going to spend the night once again, the parents were gone and their three daughters, which were the same age as us, teenagers, were throwing a big party. 
There were boys there. There were booze there. There was loud music going. And we pulled up and we realized they were having this big, unauthorized, illegal party with drinking and partying and going on and drugs and everything. And we were like, oh my, well, you know what? I get, let me back up. I can't verify there were drugs. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. But at the time, I mean, we're, all of us were underage. And so we had a very sick little sister. We did not feel right. We did not feel safe staying there at that house, but we had no place to stay. We also didn't feel safe sleeping on the side of the road at a truck stop. So Carrie and I huddled up and we didn't have enough money for a hotel room. And, you know, there were no adults at that house. The adults were gone or we would have just, I mean, they never would have let that happen if the adults were there. I mean, these were three underage daughters our age and they're throwing this totally illegal party with guys there. And we got our little sister. We're not going to let anything happen to her. We're not going to bring her into a place where there's booze. We're just not going to do it. We know we don't belong there. We know that everything they're doing is wrong and illegal. And we've got our little sister that we're fiercely protective of. We're not doing it. We're not staying there, but we don't have enough money to stay at a hotel and we don't have any other place to go and we don't feel safe staying on the side of the road. So what did we do? We drove, we decided, okay, I remember Carrie and I like huddling up and Carrie, you're going to have to tell me if I'm wrong on this because my memory is so sketchy. But I remember Carrie, you know, Laura's sick in the backseat. We got her covered up with a blanket. She's sleeping. We're like, we just need to get home. We don't have a choice. We have to drive all night. We just have to keep driving. And we said, you know what? We can do it. And I think we got a Pepsi, you know? <laughs> we got a Pepsi for 54 cents. And we drove all night, all the way back home to Orfino until we made it all the way back home to Grangemont. I remember we were so tired, but we did it. We made the right choice. We did not put ourselves in that compromising situation with the alcohol and the strange guys there and our sick little sister. And all of us were young, underage little girls. And we were like, nope. And we put our stuff back in that family station wagon and we drove all night. And I think my parents, we might've busted them having sex or something because like we pulled up, we, I mean, we, they didn't know we were coming, you know, like they were like, whoa, what are you girls doing? And we like, whoa, we told them what happened. Now I tell you this whole freaking 20 minute story to tell you that that was a defining moment. That was the moment, the moment that my folks, the reason I am so driven and I don't have any fear and I'm motivated and I don't worry about things is because of that, because my folks, now I get it that it was a different day. It was a different time back in the eighties and nineties. Okay. The early nineties, late eighties, it was a whole different time back then. You know, we didn't have the cell phones and a lot of you guys are like, oh my gosh, you didn't have a cell phone. Yeah, but we also didn't have a lot of things. I mean, it's a give and take. All right. It just was a different day back then. You know, yeah, there were still, you know, child molesters out there, of course, but somehow, some way I'm so thankful to this day. I'm so thankful that my parents let us go. I'm so thankful that my mom and dad trusted us enough to figure it out. I'm so glad that they, you know how much we grew up that summer? Do you know how much we were able to step up our game? You know how much we matured that summer? We made the right decision on everything we did. We were able to budget the very small amount of money we had. We took care of our little sister. We did not put ourselves in a compromising situation with booze and strangers. We did not sleep on the side of the road where it was unsafe and something could have happened to us. 
we made the best decision with our circumstances. We made that decision. We came to that conclusion. We followed through with our decision and we were willing to deal with the consequences, but that was the best decision we could make with all of the variables. And we did it. We put our heads together. We worked together. We stayed brave and we did it. My mom hears that story and she is cringing like a lot of you parents are right now. You're hearing this and you're cringing. But I tell my mom, mom, you have no idea. And I'm publicly going on the record and I'm telling you all, you have no idea how much that shaped me. Letting us do that. Mom and dad, thank you. Thank you for letting us do that. Thank you for trusting us enough with the family car, the family station wagon, and a piece of crap car. Actually, it did just fine. It didn't overheat or anything. And letting us go see our family and spend the summer in the Bay Area and drive home and do it. I mean, we got to be together, the three of us singing with the windows down. I mean, so many great things came of that whole trip. So many great things came. And those of you parents that are cringing right now, thinking of, oh, I could never do that. Maybe my mom probably wouldn't let us do that now. But I am telling you right now, it was the single biggest thing that shaped me because I learned so many lessons from that. I learned to not be afraid. I learned that I could do it. I learned that I could get through. I learned that I could persevere. I learned that I could work together with my sister and come up with a plan. I learned how to take care of my other sister who was sick. I learned that my gut was telling both of us that that was a, a dangerous situation at our friend's house with the booze and the boys, you know, stranger danger to turn and move the other direction. We learned so much, you guys. And that shaped me into being fearless like I am today. I am fearless. I stand before you today doing this podcast absolutely fearless. I, I am. Oh, what are you afraid? People ask, what are you afraid of, Christy? I don't think. I guess if you could pick anything, if I'm really afraid, I'm afraid of being normal. I'm afraid of blending in. But the fear, I don't have this crippling fear like a lot of people do. I don't battle that. Like, oh, I'm just afraid of messing up or I'm afraid of looking stupid. I don't have any of those fears. And I don't know if people are like, if you're listening to this right now and you're analyzing me and you're psychoanalyzing me and you're saying, now nah, everybody fears something, Christy. I'm sure you're right. Maybe you know more about this than I do. But I'm telling you right now, I could not point out a fear right now to you if I had to sit there and I would tell you one. If I there was one I, I had to think about, I would tell you right now. But I can't think of something I fear, like a legitimate fear like that grips me and scares me and, and makes me like, ah, uh, like that kind of, ah, uh, uh, I don't have anything like that. I don't want unfortunate situations to happen to me, but if they do, I'm going to be all right because of the way my parents raised us, because of the fact that my mom and dad let us be on our own and handle that road trip and all the things that happened to us during that road trip. It shaped me, you guys. And I know my parents listening to this, they probably have no idea. I mean, my mom and dad didn't, had no idea until I told them, the uh, first time I told them this, they were like, what, really? That was one of your defining moments? Because as a, as a parent, you don't know what it is that really stands out in your kid's mind. You hope, like, it's usually not what you think as parents. You don't think that it's the things that stand out are not the things that you, you know, the memories that you try to like, happy birthday to you. You think that's going to be one of the big moments in your kid's life. And then you find out later on when your kids tell you years later, oh yeah, that was a really big moment for me. You're like, that moment, really? So same thing with my folks. My folks are like, that moment, really, Christy? Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same for Carrie and Laura, 
but it is a huge, huge defining moment for me. And that is why I'm fearless now. That is why I don't, you know, I'm not afraid of making investments in Code Red or investing my money back into Code Red. I'm not afraid of bringing on new coaches. I'm not afraid of upping my game. I'm not afraid of a bigger ad budget. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not. I'm not afraid. Do I think maybe there is a chance it won't work out? Absolutely. I do know that. I'm not, you know, I don't have illusions that something is going to come up. I'm not completely being clueless. There is a chance that what I'm doing with Code Red could not work out. There is a chance. There is a chance that Miles could die next week, but I don't fear it happening. There is a chance that things could go haywire. I could die in a plane crash. I mean, there's, there's those things, of course, I'm not stupid. I know that those things could happen, but I don't fear them. And I truly, truly believe the reason I am fearless now and that I push so hard and I move forward so hard and I grind every day, 16 hours a day without rest is because of the way my parents instilled it in me in such a young age that I can do it. Christy, you can do it. My mom used to say, I'm Christy, I can. I'm not Christy, I can't. Cause I used to say, I can't, I can't. When I was two years old, three years old, I can't, I can't, I can't. I had a little lisp. I'd walk like this, like quit the, I can't. I'd like, you know, and my mom had finally, she got so sick of hearing me say, I can't. She said, stop it. You are not Christy, I can't. You are Christy, I can. And I said, I am. And she said, yes. You can do anything you want to do. And that, it, and I just, I believe it. I believe it because my parents instilled that in me at a young age. And because I was allowed to take chances, I was allowed to take trips. I was allowed to fly on my own wings, to try out my own sea legs. And that was huge for me. And I want to encourage you parents. I don't really know what to, you know, what you guys think of this, uh, this whole podcast, but that is a question that I get a lot. How did you get to where you were? And that's a big reason, you guys. And I want to encourage you parents to please don't try to, to protect and shield your kids quite so much. Let them make their own mistakes. Teach them, show them their options, but let them choose the option. And believe in them. My parents believed in us, and we believed in ourselves. We didn't think for one second we wouldn't make it. We knew we'd make it. There was no doubt but a lot of that was because our parents had faith in us. And my mom and dad always told people in front of us, we have the best girls ever. Our daughters are so well-behaved. We have the hardest working girls you've ever seen. Our daughters can sing so well. Our daughters are so smart. Carrie, Christy, Laura, they are so beautiful and smart. Our girls are very talented. We knew we were smart and hardworking and talented we knew we were survivors, and that was because we were, that was instilled in us in a very young age. I have no doubt that that is why I am the way I am. Interesting story, yeah? I know it. It's crazy. It's crazy. So you might have heard that story before, or this might be the first time hearing it. And I hope that kind of ministered to you, and I hope that it encouraged you just as a person and as a parent. And I care about each and every one of you. I absolutely do. Don't forget about our 10 pound takedown challenge. We're registering people right now for it. And that's the best way to get started. A lot of people ask me, Christy, how can I get started? And the answer is the best place is the 10 poundtakedowncom That's the easiest place to get started. It's seamless. It's easy. It makes the most sense. It's a great transition from whatever you're doing. A great transition into the code red lifestyle is a 10 pound takedown. You can lose at least 10 pounds in 30 days by following very simple rules, very simple foods. 
and let me teach you for 30 days. I do a live video every morning for 30 days to teach you why we believe what we believe. So it's an unlearning process and it's a learning process. It's great. You guys have a good one. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. If you're a Code Red Rebel and you haven't already downloaded your free Code Red Lifestyle on the go guide, then now is your time to get a copy. This guide will teach you how to stay Code Red approved even with your crazy life schedule. To get a copy right now, all you need to do is open your podcast app, go to this episode show notes and click the link to get your Code Red approved on the go guide. So I will see you on the next episode of Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle.